Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm glad that you've joined us and I want to welcome you to another installation of the Rebuild. Yes, this Rebuild sermon series that I've been doing now for the last five weeks and we're on week number six. I hope that God has been blessing you as much as he has been blessing me. I hope you've been learning something. I hope you have understood what it means to rise up from the ruins and rebuild. And I've been showing you how through the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, God calls the people of Judah, that small province of Judah, to leave the comfortable Babylon to the destroyed Jerusalem. But I want you to know that it is better to be in a destroyed Jerusalem that God is calling you to than to remain in a comfortable Babylon. So I hope that this sermon series has been speaking to you, adding life and value into your life as much as it has been doing that for me. So today I want to bring us installation number six. And if you got your Bibles, turn them with me to the book of Ezra. We're going to look at Ezra chapter number four and verse number one to verse number five. And I'm going to be reading in the English Standard Version. Ezra chapter number four and verse number one. This is what it says, beginning in verse number one. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they, the adversaries, approached the, the Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, let us rebuild with you, for we worship your God as you do. And we've been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's houses in Israel said to them, you have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God. But we alone will build the house, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us, we alone. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. Watch that. These adversaries, who are also called the people of the land, discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. Verse number five, and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. I want to tie this title to this text, Rebuilding in Adversity. Rebuilding in Adversity. Pray with me. Speak, O God. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. The head basketball coach of the Phoenix Suns says something interesting. While speaking to his team, 
he said to them, everything you want is on the other side of hard. Everything you want is on the other side of hard. He said these words to help his team to understand that if they wanted to be champions, they would, they would need to climb over what is hard in order to be champions. And surely enough, in 2021, the Phoenix Suns reached the NBA Finals, the Mount Everest of NBA competition, and they got there. And they got there because they understood how to climb over what's hard. They understood to push through when they didn't want to go to practice. They understood to push through when they felt nagging injuries, when they sprained their ankles, when their knees were painful. They understood how to push through when the media criticized them. They understood how to face Goliath-like teams in the LA Lakers or the LA Clippers or the New, uh, Brooklyn Nets. They understood how to push through what's hard. And because they pushed through what's hard, they were able to get on the other side of hard. They got to the NBA Finals, but they didn't win. But they learned a valuable lesson that sometimes it is important to fight through it if you're going to get through it. Sometimes it is important to understand that what you really want, what you really want to have, that promotion, that deal, that relationship, that marriage, will require you to go through some hard things if you're going to have what you want. And they had great leaders on this Phoenix Suns team like Chris Paul and Devin Booker and others, and they preached the message to each other. Everything that we want is on the other side of heart. I have remodeled the words of Coach Williams and I've put them in this way. Everything you want to rebuild is on the other side of adversity. Everything you want to rebuild is on the other side of adversity. And we find adversity in our text this morning. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard, when they heard, the adversaries, when they heard, what did they hear? They heard the shout. They heard people celebrating in Jerusalem. The report went out that these exiles, these returnees from Babylon, they have laid the foundation of the temple. They have built their second foundation. They have rebuilt their foundation. They are making progress. They are moving ahead. They had heard of their advancement. They had heard of them taking steps in a direction. They had heard about uh, bettering themselves. And so when these adversaries heard, they decided to show up. Somebody needs to understand that you will face adversity when you rebuild. The moment that you decide to better yourself, there will be adversity that will be staring at you. There will be a mountain that you will need to climb. Isn't it so true? 
that the moment you decide that I will eat better, that I will eat clean today, that is when your friend decides to send you cookies. That is when your friends invite you to eat oxtail. That is when your friends send you ice cream. Isn't it so true that when you decide that I'm going to exercise, somehow when you get up that morning to go and exercise, uh, you start to tell yourself, I got so many things to do today. Or if you start, you say to yourself, oh, why should I do this? I'm fit anyway. Isn't it so true that when you decide to read your Bible this morning, this particular morning, this particular Sabbath, then at that particular moment when you decided to read, you get phone calls from somebody asking you to, to talk to you. That's what I have learned about life. That the moment you decide to rebuild, the moment you decide to re-up, the moment you decide to make progress, there will be something that you will have to get over. And these adversaries of Judah, they come to the rebuilders. Now, now, now notice something. They did not come as adversaries. They came as advocates. Look at verse number two. Notice what they say, these adversaries. Let us build with you. That's advocation right there. That's advocacy. Let us get in it. Let us participate with you. Let us exercise with you. Let us write with you. Let us pray with you. Let us sit with you. They were advocating on behalf of these rebuilders. They're saying we are here to make it better. We are here to give you a helping hand. Notice the reason. For we worship your God as you do. And we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. They, they, they tell them, look, we are just like you. We have the same vision like you. We have the same God like you. We have the same desires like you. We have the same motivations like you. So let us build because we are just like you. Let us be with you. They were advocating for them. They were pushing for them. They were pulling for them. But, but notice how Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the elders responded. These old men, how they responded. Notice what they said. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the heads of the father's houses in Israel said to them. Now notice what they said. You have nothing to do with us. You, adversaries, have nothing to do with us. Now, I need to pause right here and, and help you to see that we as the reader know and we are, we are told by the author that these are adversaries. But the elders, Zerubbabel and the brothers, do not know that these are adversaries. They see them as those who are coming to advocate on their behalf. But somehow, Zerubbabel and the elders, they made a move. They made a decision to stop them. They said, no thanks. And they say, you have nothing. <laughs> you got nothing to do with us in building a house to our God. You may worship our God. 
You may sacrifice for our God, but you will not build with us for our God. You will not lay the foundation of our spirituality. You will not influence our planning. You will not influence our process. You have nothing to do with us. And they are speaking to their adversity. They are facing adversity. It is in front of them. But they speak back to their adversity. Oh, I'm helping somebody right now. That is when adversity has come your way. When you are facing adversity, you need to stand up to it and speak back to it. You need to be able to say to adversity, to the adversary, to the obstacle, to the challenge, to the difficulty, and say, you have nothing to do with me. You are not going to stop me from running this 10K. You, tiredness, are not going to stop me from getting on my knees and praying to the Lord. You and forgiveness are not going to get in the way of me building my relationship with my family, even though my family has hurt me. You doubt are not going to get in my way when I want to trust what God can do because I understand that without faith, it is impossible to please God. You double-minded are not going to get in my way for me to make a choice about what I, what I want to eat or how I'm going to handle my life. So like these brothers, you need to be able to speak to the adversity and say, you adversity have nothing to do with me. You adversity are not going to impact me. You adversity are not going to be a part of my life. You have nothing to do with me. I alone, notice what they say, but we alone will build to the Lord. I will do this adversity. I don't need you to give me other ideas. I don't need you to help me. I don't need you to tell me that it's too hard, I can't do it, or I need to rest today and put it off for tomorrow. I will not let that happen. But I alone, I alone will build to the Lord. I will build to the Lord. And that's important, brother and sister. When you know why you're building what you're building. These brothers knew we are building to the Lord. We are building to our God. We are building to the King of Kings. Therefore, we are not going to stop and take our eyes off the ball. We're going to focus on Him. Somebody today needs to know and understand what they are building for. Who they are building for. Because when you know who you're building for. When you know where you're going. Then adversity is a lot easier to speak to. It is a lot easier to tell it back away from me. I got nothing to do with you. Now notice how the adversaries reacted when they were told no thanks. The text says in verse 4 and 5, then the people of the land. Now, now check this. They're introduced to us as the adversaries of Judah, but now right here, the author now introduces them as the people of the land, which means that they were coming to help with the mentality that we have been here all along. This is our land. Nothing happens in this environment that we do not know. 
We have been brought here since 669 BC by Esau Haddon. We've been here for over 200 years. Therefore, we know how it's supposed to operate. You are the exiles. You simply come here to try to change things. No, you should actually operate with us. So the people of the land rose up. They rose up and discouraged the people of Judah. They discouraged them. The Hebrew literally says, says they weakened their hands. They weakened their hands. In other words, they made their fists, uh, their, their hands, strong hands, they made them limp. They weakened their hands. That's what it means to discourage. It, it means to take power out of somebody, to take motivation out of somebody, to put them down in such a way that they no longer want to do it. So they weakened, they discouraged them. That's the first thing that they did. And then notice what they do. And they made them afraid. So they discouraged them. Then they made them afraid. And then notice what the text says. And bribe counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, that is about 538 BC, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. From 538 BC to about 523 BC, they frustrated them. They discouraged them. They made them afraid. Why? Because when you build something life-changing, adversity doesn't want you to have it. You see, that is why adversity comes. Because adversity doesn't want you to achieve something. The great enemy of souls, the devil, the, 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 the Satan or the adversary doesn't want you to have it. Therefore, he works on you. He plays on you. He prays on you so that you do not get what you're trying to rebuild. Because these brothers, watch this. They were trying to build something life-changing. They were building the temple of the Lord. In other words, they were trying to centralize their life in God. And there is nothing more life-changing than centralizing your life in God. And anytime you try to centralize your life in God, anytime you try to do something for God, for His power, His will, His purpose, there's going to be adversity that is going to face you. Because once God comes into your existence, once God comes into your life, there is life change. That is why you're struggling with adversity today. Because when you're trying to rebuild, when you're trying to make progress, when you're trying to move up, adversity says, no, 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 no. I do not want you to move up. I want you to still be wondering how to save your money. I want you to still be wondering how you can eat better and be more healthy. I want you to still be saying to yourself, oh, I'm no good. I cannot be better. I cannot beat this. Adversity wants to keep you in the same place. But when you try to do something life-changing, adversity will say, okay, let me see how desperately you really want it. Let me see how high your temperature is if you're warmed up enough in order to rebuild this. And that is why you're struggling today. That is why you're facing adversity today because you are trying to do something life-changing. You're trying to go to the next level. And adversity doesn't want you to go to the next level. I, I wish I could tell you that these rebuilders, they spoke to these adversaries 
and told them you have nothing to do with us and the story ended there. But the story didn't end there because notice that these adversaries, they discouraged them, they made them afraid, and they frustrated them. In other words, what they, they impacted them in their mind, in, in their mind. They impacted them in their spirit. They took away their morale. And there is nothing that kills motivate that, that, that kills the desire to progress than a lost morale. And somebody today is at a place of, of a, a, a lost or role or low morale. That is why you are still stuck at the place of wondering how can I live on without my loved one? That is why some of you feel like you can never be promoted. Because you are struggling with a raw morale. Some of your spirituality is low because you're struggling with a raw morale. You don't know if God can hear your prayers. You don't know if grace still works today. Because of this low morale, the people stopped rebuilding. Notice what verse number 24 says. Then the work of the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped. And it ceased. In other words, their rebuilding took a Sabbath. It took a Sabbath until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now, I, I did a little bit of digging. Cyrus allowed them to go back in 538. The second year of Darius, king of Persia, is 523. So check, if we do the mathematics, they took Sabbath from rebuilding for 15 years. They stopped progressing for 15 years. They stopped moving ahead for 15 years. And somebody like these men has stopped progressing. And it's been 15 years. It's been 18 years. Somehow you're still stuck from 15 years ago. You're still stuck from 18 years ago. You've been in a place where you haven't been moving. These brothers were right there because of low morale. Somebody here hasn't been moving for a long, long time. Because you are stuck in adversity. Because you haven't known how to look at it and to speak back to it and to continue even in discouragement. To continue even when you don't feel appreciated. You haven't known how to push through when you feel afraid, when you feel afraid about what others are going to say about you, when you feel afraid that you may make a mistake, when you feel afraid that you don't have enough resources. And some of us here are frustrated. Uh, we, we, we are tired. We are frustrated. It hasn't worked out. Therefore, we're no longer going. And it's been 15 years and you're on year 16. You see, you may face adversity. But never dwell on adversity. You need to learn, watch this, you need to learn to dwell on God who rules your life. And I got this idea based on chapter 5, verse number 1. The text says, Now the prophets, now the prophets, Haggai, which means festival, and Zechariah, which means God remembers. So the prophets, Haggai, festival, Zechariah, God remembers, the son of Edo, prophesied 
these prophets prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God who was over them. Remember, they were dwelling on their adversity, but these two prophets say, do not dwell on your adversity, but you need to dwell on the God who is over you. I'm about to help somebody right here. Do not dwell on the adversity, but dwell on the God who is over you, the God who rules your life. And that's what these prophets came. They started to preach and started to let them know. These two brothers, one started in August to December of 520. The other one started in October, November of the same year. They started to preach the gospel. That is God rules. God runs your life. He is over you. He is still king over you. He is still on the throne. Do not dwell on the adversity. Dwell on what God can do for you. Because when you dwell on adversity, what you're simply saying is, there are some things that God cannot do. And in that sense, you are acting like Sarah. Remember Sarah, the wife of Abraham? She was so old that she couldn't have children. And when God comes back to her, God says to her, look, next year in Genesis 18, you are going to have a son. You're going to have a child. You know what she did? She laughed. And then God had to check her and say, look, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Why? Because she was dwelling on the adversity, forgetting God who rules over her body. Forgetting God who knows how to create out of nothing. The theologians will say ex nihilo. Forgetting God is able to part red seas. So when you dwell on adversity, you make God impotent. You make God you make God unable, you make things impossible for God when you dwell on adversity. You keep God stopped up. But God, listen to me carefully, can never, ever, ever, ever be stuck. There is nothing impossible for God. You may be confused in how you're going to make the business plan, you may not understand how to operate and have that difficult conversation. You may not know how to get your weight under control. You may not know how to dry your tears when you think about the person whom you have loved. You may not know how to lead. You may not know how you're going to get your business off the ground. But God always knows how to do it. Because there is nothing impossible for God, but it's impossible for God when you dwell on adversity and don't dwell on him as the one who is able to rule and overrule and overrun your life. <laughs> he is able to rule. He's able to run and he is able to overrun your life. God has power to change things. And so listen to me. You see, when you're dwelling on adversity and you're not dwelling on God who rules your life, something happens. You stop yourself from doing what God has called you. And when that happens, you become disobedient. 
because God had called these brothers from Jerusalem. He said from Babylon, he says, come back to Jerusalem. I want you to rebuild me a house. In the face of adversity, they stopped rebuilding and they were no longer doing what God had called them. And when you don't do what God has asked you to do, we call that disobedience. We call that not wanting to follow the will of God. So these brothers, by allowing adversity to stop them from progressing, they were being disobedient to God. So you thought that simply to stop praying is because you are sad? No. You, you, you thought stopping praying is simply stopping praying? No. That is disobedience. Because the Bible says, pray without ceasing. So when you don't pray, when it's so hard, when you don't pray because you're angry at God, you're being disobedient. When you say, I'm not going to talk to God today, you're being disobedient. When you say, I'm going to take a break from God, you're being disobedient because God says, pray without ceasing. So when he says, pray without ceasing, it means pray without taking a Sabbath. Pray continually. When you don't want to do it, guess what you're doing is saying, God, I don't want to do what you're asking me to do. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because God has placed a calling on your life. God has placed a calling on my life. And the first calling is for us to be his children, for us to connect with him, for us to relate to him. That's the first calling. Then God has given us gifts and abilities and talents. That's, a, that's part of our calling. And then it becomes more specific. Whenever you don't do what God says for you to do, you are being disobedient. So a few years ago, in 2014 of June, I enrolled in IAS, the Adventist International Institute of Advanced Studies, to pursue my master's degree. While enrolling, friends told me and asked me what classes I would take. And I explained to them that I'm going to be taking a class in the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible or the Torah. So I said, I'm going to be taking this class under one particular teacher. When people told me, when people heard who I was going to study under, they said, Henry, that teacher is difficult. I doubt that you're going to make it. In fact, one of my good friends even told me, Henry, do not be a part of this class. She's been giving me a hard time. Now, now you see, I could have chosen at that moment not to take the class because I had heard also that after that semester, she was leaving to go back to the U.S., so I could have said, you know what, I'm going to wait now. I will not put myself in an adversarial uh, situation. I will not face this adversity now. I'm going to chill and wait until she's, she's gone. And that's a perfectly logical, a perfectly wise thing to do. But I said, no, I will take this class because everybody's experience is different. I will not let somebody's experience affect my decisions. I will listen to it. It makes sense to me, but I will not allow it to stop me from going into the class. And I went into the class. Watch me. I went into the class. I sat under her for a whole semester and I escaped the class. I didn't escape. In fact, I thrive in the class and I got an A because I wouldn't allow adversity to stop me from pursuing my calling as a student at, at that particular time. And if it needed me to go through a difficult teacher, I was not going to back away. You see, I could have stepped away 
right? I could have stepped away from the class and it was going to be perfectly fine. And I was not going to be disobedient because anyway, I'm paying for it. I get to choose what I want to do, right? But when it comes to the calling of God, watch me now. We don't have a choice like me to disenroll. We don't have a choice to wait until the second semester. We don't have a choice to, to, to wait for the teacher to leave. When God has called us, we must go through the adversity. We must push through it and never make excuses about it, but ensure that we get it done. I hope I'm helping somebody right now. I hope somebody hears me that I, I should never let anything stop me from my calling. If God has placed a responsibility on my life, if God has indicated clearly that I need to do something, I need to do it no matter how difficult or how much adversity I'm going to face while I do it. So I went ahead and let me drop a gem on you. When you allow adversity to hinder the progress of your calling, you become disobedient. And this is why Haggai and Zechariah were called by God. Because for 15 years, these brothers have not been rebuilding. They've been disobedient for 15 years. God says, no, this disobedience has to end today. It has to stop today. So notice now what Haggai says to the people. Notice what he says. He says, Thus speakest the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come. Notice they're saying the time is not yet. They, they, they are being disobedient. The time is not yet. It hasn't come yet. They're being disobedient. The time that the Lord's house should be built. That's what they're saying. It's not time yet. It's still so much discouragement out there. There's still so much fear out there. There's still so much frustration out there. It's not yet time. Then notice what Zerubbabel says. Haggai says, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. This is what uh, Haggai is saying. Look, you are saying it's not time to do for God. But here you are dwelling in, in good houses. And then you are saying, let's not do for God, but you're dwelling in nice places. It doesn't make sense to God. If you can dwell in a nice house, then God should also have a nice house. Are you seeing, are you seeing the point? You cannot put your calling by God on pause. While you enjoy life and, 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 and experience things while you're waiting for a good time. It can never be like that. Because when you have a mentality, I'm going to do it later, you are manifesting a spirit of disobedience and you are stopping, you are stopping your calling because there is some kind of adversity. That is why Haggai says in the text, consider your ways. Consider how you are behaving. Consider how adversity is getting in the way. Consider how you are not progressing in what God has called you to do. Consider how you have stopped doing your purpose and your mission. Now when you consider, he's saying to them, when you consider this, you need to fix it. When you consider this, you need to change it. And I'm glad. Listen to me. I'm glad. I'm glad that Zerubbabel and Jeshua, according to verse number two of Ezra chapter five, they 
rose up. They rose up. They got up. Right? They got up and began to build. They rose up and began to rebuild. Rise and rebuild. And somebody needs to rise and rebuild. Because you understand, watch this, you understand that you have support. And that's what the text says. They rose up because the prophets of God were supporting them. They got spiritual strength. They got spiritual stamina. And that is why you should never let adversity stop you from rebuilding. When you're facing adversity, you need the support from God. And the way you get support from God is from the word of God. Can I, can, I, can I make it nice for you? Notice how God helped them. He said, I know you're facing adversity. How I'm going to help you is I'm going to send prophets to you. Prophets are going to deliver messages from me to you to inspire you and to instruct you. You see, God's word is not only to be read because we are on church, but God's word is to help you as you're trying to plan and strategize at the office. It will support you. It will lift you up. But many of us, when we're in problems, we turn away from the prophets. We turn, we turn away from the prophetic word. And I'm here to let you know that the word of God is the prophetic word. And that's what you need if you're going to rebuild. Because it is going to support you and strengthen you. It is going to give you power and elevate you. Because God never operates in human life without prophets, without his men, his women communicating his word. That is why you need sermons. That is why you need spiritual food because it supports you. It strengthens you. So these brothers began to rebuild and they rose up because the prophets of God were supporting them. They did rebuke them sometimes. They spoke harshly to them sometimes. And sometimes they comforted their hearts. But it strengthened them because something happened. The prophets were aiming to transform them inside. You see, when the word of God entered their minds, and you and I know, that the mind is inward. It's inside. In fact, when we speak about the brain, we're talking about gray matter in our cranium. But the mind doesn't have really a physical form, but it's inside here. So what the prophets did, listen to this. They helped them to resolve their frustrations and discouragement and fear inside. And because it was resolved inside, they had a mental rebaptism. Then they were able to rise up and to rebuild again. And if you will rise up and rebuild in adversity, you need to have a mental rebaptism. You need your mind to be transformed again. 
You need your mind to look different again. You need your thoughts to feel different again. You need a new thought pattern again. And the way you do that is when you allow the prophetic word to strengthen you, the prophetic word to challenge, the prophetic word to correct and reshape you. And let me tell you a truth that you need to take to the bank. Reps destroy adversity. Reps destroy adversity. What do I mean by that? You see, sports men, whether it be basketball players, whether it be soccer players, what they do is they practice. And when they're practice, practicing, they are destroying doubt of what they can do on the field. Mm. Are you following what I'm saying? They're destroying doubt of what they can do on the field. So when they get on the field, they're not doing something that they haven't done already. They're simply doing what they know already and they're moving on and, 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 and doing their thing. So what I mean by reps destroying adversity is this. You need to practice the word of God. You need to live by the word of God. And as you're living by the word of God, you're going to be able to destroy adversity. For example, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. So how do you practice that? You read that, that verse every day, you memorize it, and anytime something is bound to make you anxious, you claim that promise. And you say, you know what, Lord? I will not be anxious because your word has told me. And you might need to say that 10 times, 15 times, whatever it is. But the more you do that, what happens is your mind starts to shape itself. You, it starts to retool itself. And when that is going on and that is happening, what you're doing is when adversity comes, you now are able to destroy it. You are able now to kill it because you have an inward perspective. You have an inward change. And that's what some of us need to do today. And these brothers, they started to rebuild. They got back to it. And because of that, they were blessed and they were strengthened. But listen, when you fight adversity, adversity can still come back. You might still have to face it again. And I want you to notice what happens in this text in verse number three of chapter five. At the same time, when they started to rebuild, Tatnai, the governor of the province of the province beyond the river, and Shethar Basnai, and their associates came to them and spoke to them thus, who gave you a decree to build this house and finish this structure. Here is adversity again. They are facing it again. Who gave you? Hmm? Who gave you this right to do this? You see now, Tatnai and his associates were the leaders of the province beyond the river. Right? It's called Ebera Nahara, beyond the river, in relation to passing the Euphrates or the Tigris. Because the Persian Empire was located in, in uh, Iraq, modern day Iraq, or Iran. Iran. So 
beyond the river was Jerusalem. So they called it beyond the river. So he was in charge of this. And, 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 and at this particular moment in the history of the empire, there was a lot of revolts because the further these provinces were, were, were from the empire, the, the capital, it was harder to keep them together. So now what's happening is stones are being brought and timber is being brought. And, and the idea seems that these brothers are about to rebuild this temple. They, they seem to be fortifying, fortifying themselves and they're about to revolt. And so they are coming to check, hey, who allow you to do this? Because they're simply doing their job. I, I'm coming here. That, that sometimes when we face adversity, it's, it's, it's procedural and common adversity because somebody is simply trying to do their job. Uh, let me bring it a little bit more, more closer. You know, lately we have, have, we have had to go to places to get our temperatures checked. I mean, when we enter places, our temperatures need to be checked, right? And sometimes it is annoying because they stop you, they need to check, and you have to show your vaccination. But these brothers, these security guards are simply doing their job to make sure to make sure that anybody who's going in the malls is vaccinated and safe. But sometimes that can be adversity because you are in a rush. You're trying to get over and they're simply trying to get in the way. And sometimes you're going to have to deal with that in the process of rebuilding. You might need to get permits. You might need to get the right certification. You might need to go to see a pastor to counsel you if you're trying to rebuild your, your marriage or you're trying to get married again. You might have to go through steps. And some people don't like this kind of adversity. They like to bypass it. But I'm here to let you know that that's sometimes a good adversity because it ensures, watch me, it ensures that you're doing it correctly. And so Tatnai and his, his, his associates wanted to know, how are you doing this? And they uh, consulted. They consulted, uh, 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 Tatnai and his associates consulted uh, the, the king about this situation. They decided to consult the king about this situation. But while they were trying to consult the king about this situation, what I love is verse number 5 of chapter 5 when it says, But the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews, and they did not stop them until the report should reach Darius and then an answer be returned by letter concerning it. Yes, this adversity came. They wanted to confirm why they were rebuilding. They wanted to know if the, the, the emperor was aware of what is going on. They, they just wanted to do their job. But notice what they, what they didn't, they did not do. They did not stop. They did not stop. Why? Because they had now learned it. Ah, uh, they had now learned it. They had now learned that it is God who is ruling over us. Watch this again. But their eye, but the eye of their God was on them. They now knew that God is over us. They now knew that no matter the kind of adversity, whether adversity comes from our adversaries whether adversity comes from our officials, whether it is regular adversity, whether it is not good adversity, the eye of our God is on us. God is ruling on us. God is leading us. Therefore, we are not going to stop doing this. We're going to continue doing this because God has our back. And this is what I'm trying to help you to understand. God turns adversity to your advantage.
You see, they did not know. They did not know what God would do about this situation, but they kept rebuilding. And to me, it helps me to see that they now understood that God is able to turn to turn adversity into an advantage. And that is exactly what happens in this particular passage because Tetnai sends a letter in verse 6 to 17 of chapter 5. He sends a letter, and you can read it for yourself later. He sends a letter to Darius. And this letter, Darius's letter is in chapter 6. So chapter 5 is Tatnai's letter. And then chapter 6 is Darius's letter. There is a correspondence because Tatnai wants to understand, hey, what's happening with these rebuilders? Notice what uh, Darius responded. This is what he says. Let the work of the house of this God alone. Do not disturb them. Leave it alone. Let them, let them rebuild this. Let them rebuild this. And the second thing I want you to do in verse number, number 8, it says, I want you to, 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 notice what he says, I want you to pay for it. The cost is to be paid to these men in full and without delay from the royal revenue. So Darius says, I confirm what they're doing and I affirm what they're doing. And I want you not only to not disturb them, but I want you to bankroll them. I want you to support them because what God is doing, watch this. He is turning adversity into an advantage. He is making what looks bad, turning it into looking good. And he is using an empire. He is using a king. He is using a pagan king to do it. <laughs> he is able to make things happen. You see, you may not be in the boardroom. You may not be at the table where they're discussing your name. You may not be sitting with the bosses. But God is able to sit with the bosses and he can turn the real of adversity into advantage. You may not know how it's going to turn out after they have reviewed you for the promotion. But God is there as they're reviewing your name. He is there as they're reviewing your situation and he is able to move it around. You may not know how you're going to pay that bill. You may not know how you're going to get over such a large sum and your, 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 your apartment or a, a mall might charge you a, a, a big price and you may not know how it's going to work out. And you may make a request, please make this a little bit lower or lessen this. And you may not know how it's going to turn out, but I want you to understand that God knows how to turn the will of adversity into advantage. And that's what he did right here for the Jews. He says, look, I want you, Darius, not to stop my people from doing this. And I want you to pay for it. I came across a story in the Middle Ages. This is about 500 to 1500 AD. Uh, a chain maker was arrested and he was put in prison. And when he was put in prison, he started to observe the chain that he was chained to because as a chain maker, he knew how to make chains. And one of the things uh, he, he knew was that chains usually have flaws in them. But he prided himself in making chains that were unbreakable. In making chains that could not be broken. So as he's observing this chain, he realizes 
that it is a chain that he has made. And so at that particular point, he gave up all hope trying to escape and break the chain because he knew he couldn't be able to break his own chain. But I want you to understand something, that God is not a chain breaker. Unlike this man, God is able not only to break chains, but God is able to, to, to create a situation that is different. God is able to get out of it. God never gives up hope. God never says, I can't do this. God never says, well, it's my own thing. I don't know how to maneuver it. No, God is able to change the dynamic because that's the power that he has. You may be like this chain maker, not knowing how you're going to get out of your own situation that you created, your own mess that you created, but God is able to get out of the mess. God is able to change the situation and make it better because God is able to turn advantage into adversity into advantage he's able to change the situation and that's what i hope somebody here can understand that's how god operated that's how god moved for these brothers so i don't know what you're trying to rebuild today but if you're facing adversity please know and hear me carefully god turns adversity to your advantage i came to ask you to embrace adversity i came to call you to appreciate your situation no matter how difficult it is but to continue pressing on adversity is not reason enough for you to stop doing what god has called you to do if you are dead i understand if you are sick i understand if you're physically impaired, I understand. But if you're simply discouraged and you're afraid and you're fearful, God is saying, continue rebuilding. Do not dwell on your adversity. Please dwell on me who is able to change your situation. And I want to promise you, says God, I will turn your adversity into an advantage. So I want to rebuild even when it's adversarial. I want to rebuild in adversity. Will you stand with me today? Will you join me today? Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father, thank you for being a God who is able to turn adversity into advantage. And we thank you for it. Please strengthen us to embrace adversity and to allow you to turn it for our advantage. Help us not to give up, help us not to quit, and help us to embrace a mentality of rebuilding in adversity. Thank you, O God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, my brother and my sister, and I'm going to see you in the next one. Take care. Did that speak to you? Did that word touch your spirit? I hope it did. Because my prayer is that God will strengthen and bless you. And perhaps you feel the need to get closer to Jesus. You feel the need to give your life to him. Today you can do that. And we're here to facilitate that. You see, one of the things that we love here as Facts of Life Ministry is just to be a blessing and a strength to you. So you can reach out to us. 
The number is on the screen. Call us, text us, get on our social media, and we're going to be more than happy and glad to reach out to your needs. And by the way, we do this because God has inspired us, but we do need help. And we are asking you, if God has impressed your heart, to partner with us in this ministry and to give and to be a blessing. And you will not regret it because what you give is going to spread the gospel and let somebody know about Jesus Christ. May the Lord strengthen you and take care of you. And I'm going to see you very soon.